today's scripture reading will come from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 23. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will, play when, he will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David become, became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. This is the word of the Lord. We are continuing with our uh, in-depth look, if you will, um, in the, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, looking at David. As I shared last week, much of the story, when we talk about David, much of the story is, um, you know, maybe I know about David and Goliath. Maybe I know that David was a shepherd, but not much more than that. It's, it's, it's very, very superficial, our, our understanding um, of, of who this person that uh, the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. Um, but like us, there are many layers, there's a lot of complexity. There's ups, there's wins, and there's losses. Uh, that's David. That's, that's, that's David. That's Mark. That's... Gail, that's Dana, that's Keith, that's Beverly, that's, that's Kim, that's Joe, that's David is every man, David is every woman, David is, uh, we ought to be able to see ourselves in who this person is, we really ought to see ourselves, so over the course of the next 12 weeks, I think it is, uh, we'll unpack that and share that. Uh, the last time we looked at the first 13 verses of the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, and we saw um, in the first verse, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Again, as we shared, Samuel, he's, the, he's, he's, he's right up there in the pantheon of, of uh, Old Testament leaders, uh, of prophets, he is the one whose mother, Hannah, prayed for a child. And she couldn't have a child. She prayed for a child. And her promise was, you give me this child, I'll give him right back to you, Lord. And so Hannah literally gave Samuel back to God for his service. And he served under Eli the priest as a young boy. And during that course of service, he heard God's voice audibly. And he received a, uh, a prophetic commission, and that just launched uh, uh, Samuel. And so after that, um, uh, after Eli's death, it was Samuel who was the, the, the prophetic voice 
uh, of God that led the nation. And in the eighth chapter of, of 1 Samuel, um, again, hopefully you read it last week, this is just a recap, uh, you will have read that it came a time when the people rose up and said, you know what, Samuel, uh, you're getting up in age. Uh, you're getting a little long in the tooth, uh, and, your, and your boys aren't like you are, uh, so we want to change. We want, we want things to be different. So he said, they, 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 they said, uh, what, what we would like is a king just like everybody else has a king. I see, we see all these other nations around, and we want what they got. Uh, God said to Samuel, don't take it personally because it ain't about you. It is not, that, it's not a rejection of you. Uh, it's, it's about me. They, they, they have rejected me. They haven't rejected you. So God told Samuel to warn them that they will get exactly what they asked for. See, as I shared last time, I'll share again because it's worth sharing. I thank God for the things that, I thank God for answered prayer, period. I thank God for answered prayer. But I'm almost to the point, I thank God more for unanswered prayer. There's a lot of things that I've prayed for that if God had given me those things, uh, you probably wouldn't know me. I'd be in bad shape. Oh, Lord, if you would just bless me with this, if you would just allow this, it's like I thank God that he didn't do that in retrospect. But when I'm in the middle of it, it's like that's the only thing. I'm, I'm locked and loaded spiritually. That's the only thing that I can think of. I can't see straight. I can't pray straight because I want this so badly. I'm so transfixed by giving me this, whatever this is. And so God said, okay, warn them. Tell them they're going to get exactly what they asked for. Uh, you're going to get burden. You're going to get death. You're gonna, it's not going to be anything that you think it's like. And they still said, after the warning, no, give us what we want. Saul was selected and things exact. It went exactly the way God said it would go. And as I shared, there are only two choices in life. Life boils down to just, just two choices. It's, it's, really, it's really binary, if you will. It's God's way or it's your way. It's God's way or it's your way. That's the only two. We, we complicate things as someone else, uh, I think it was Pastor Nate that would say, we really complicate things. But when it really boils down to it's God's way or our way. That's, that's it. So Saul was 30 years old. He served 42 years as king. And in the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one uh, the Lord sent to, uh, to anoint you king over the people his people Israel. So listen to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm going to punish the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? They were a group of people that chased after the, the Israelites or the Jews at the time that were leaving Egypt, going into the promised land, and they were like attacking the rear guard, and it's like, uh, see, God didn't forget that. It's like, okay, all right, all right, I see you. <laughs> I, see you. I, I got something for you. Not today, later. Okay, and so later for the Amalekites was today, and he told Saul, go to war with them, wipe them out, all of them. We'll get into that in a minute. Yes, wow, God, boy, that's a, that's, 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 that's a cold shot. We'll get into that. Wipe them out. No survivors. Everything. But in verse 9, we see Paul, but Saul and the army spared Agag, the king, 
and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. They were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they destroyed. They did exactly the opposite of what God told them to do. God said, destroy everything. Uh, I hear you. Uh, I'll do almost what you say, uh, but in almost doing what you say, you almost do nothing what he said. So what was God's response? You know, it didn't go well. God said, uh, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Things turned out just the way God said and he laments the situation. Samuel confronts Saul about what he, what he did, uh, about the whole situation. They go back and forth. Saul offers one excuse, then another. One excuse and then the other. Then he settles on the excuse that he wanted to have healthy animals for sacrifice to God. I mean, that's about as dumb as you can get. You know, it, it's like, I want, I want to, you know, the reason I held back was because I, needed to, I, I knew I would have to sacrifice to God, so I wanted to hold back uh, on, the, on the animals for sacrifice to God, uh, which Samuel just, just cut him off at his spiritual knees and said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Again, as we shared last time, uh, rationalizing and poor choice. Rationalizing and poor choice are just opposite sides of the same coin. Rationalizing and poor choice. We, we choose poorly, you flip the coin over. Well, the reason why I chose that was, well, it's the same coin. You chose poorly. You just, just but, 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 but the, the reason why you know, see, the reason why I didn't obey God was because I wanted to set aside some animals for sacrifice to atone for my sin. So you sin in order so you can have animals to atone for your sin. That does not, that, you cannot square that circle. It does not make sense. That, that, that does not make sense. And it did. So God said to Samuel, again, as we go back to uh, the 16th chapter in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for this guy? I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen the one of his sons to be king. It's a done deal. It's a wrap. Saul is still sitting on the throne. His, his, his time is up. His time is over. And so you can imagine, yeah, I, I can see myself as Samuel. Samuel's a little fearful. It's like, okay, the king's not dead. Uh, the person, let's put it this way, at least the person sitting on the throne is not dead. And so the idea of picking a new king, uh, that may not go well for me, physically. So I'm going to sit there and start anointing people with oil. You didn't just go around with a ram's horn with, filled with oil and, and anointing people. That, that, that meant something. And so if, if the word got back to Saul, it probably wouldn't go well for Samuel. So he heads to Bethlehem in spite of his fear. There's a whole sermon there. In spite of his fear... Uh, in spite of his fear, he heads to Bethlehem to the house uh, of a man named Jesse. Samuel asked Jesse in his house, uh, asked Jesse in his house to join him in consecrating themselves and joining Samuel in offering a sacrifice to God. And he uses this opportunity to discover 
who would be the next king. So, again, note, God said, I have selected someone from the house of Jesse. That is going to be the next king. Someone from that house is going to be the next king. He could have named the person, but Samuel needed a little lesson. He needed a little schooling. I needed a little schooling. I'm going to help you out, Samuel. But I'm going to share with you, go to this house, and some, one of the sons there is going to be the next king. I've chosen who's going to be the next king. So the first son Samuel sees, he's, he's tall, good-looking, tan, full of head of hair, uh, you know, six-pack, everything. Uh, and so what Samuel says, uh, that's got to be the one. That's the one. That's the one. And uh, the Lord said to Samuel, Mm-mm, see, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm running you through this process. That's why I'm, running, I'm, I'm trying to help you. See, I, uh, God could do anything and does anything. He speaks things into ex- existence. Yeah. He, he absolutely speaks things into existence. Out of nothing, stuff comes. And he can, he can fix any situation just like that. What I have learned, what I have learned is that I learn not in the getting, but in the process. See, that's, that's really what I've learned. It's like, oh, I can, I can, I can give you this. I, I, I can give you this. I, and, I, and, and, I, and, I, and out of the benevolence of me just being God, I am love, I, I can do that. But then it's just like, okay, then he becomes your, 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 your spiritual cosmic bellhop. I want fries. Hot burger, medium, and I want it in five minutes. And if we're not careful, that's, 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 that, that will become our God. That'll be our expectation. Give me that. But, but, but if I have to go through a process, I just, it just as they say, you don't, you don't miss water until your run, well runs dry, right? You know, and you don't miss your baby until she says bye-bye. I know, but that's, 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 that, it's in the process that we learn. It's in the process that we grow. I mean, you guys know that. You go to gyms. You know that. You know that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I just, there is not one day, uh, one day that I go to the fitness Monday and Thursday, 8.45, like clockwork. There's not one day I, work, I wake up and say, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> I just can't wait. You know, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. I know the process. I, I've, I've done it for six months now. It hurts. I want to vomit. I just, it, 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 is, it is no fun. But I like the results. We all want the results. We want what's on the backside. But we're not willing to put on the front side the things that, see, see and that's where God is trying to move us to grow us. That, that, that we have to go through this, this, this process. I, I, as I was sharing with uh, Brother Jones, uh, you know, sometimes yeah, it's like, you know, the, it's this spiritual conundrum. You know, so what was the better thing? You know, and, and, you're, and again, we're not looking for disobedience uh, and sacrifice, but, but I know for a fact that the Jews had a greater and better appreciation of the promised land after 40 years than they would have after three days. After 40 years of winnowing out, people dying, people, yeah, the ups and downs of being in the desert, it's like, promised land? Oh, I love you. I can appreciate you. I'm kissing the ground. That's why soldiers that come from overseas, literally, they, 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 sit, they, they kiss the ground. I appreciate the, the, the freedoms and, and it, with all its warts, with all the imperfections that we have. But I appreciate what I do have because I've experienced deprivation. 
a lot of us are, are just trying to hurry up and get past the deprivation. The, and that's where, the, in the process, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm, try, I'm trying to show you something. So, I mean, again, to, to, to extend the metaphor even more with the, the exercise, it's there in the, in the, in the <laughs> between the, the desires to upchuck that I'm able to talk to people that, that don't worship where I worship or don't worship at all. I'm able to be in their sphere of influence, or I'm, they're in my sphere of influence, and I talk to them, and I share the love of Christ. See, now, if, I, now if, I, if God just said, 50 pounds, it's gone, then, I wouldn't, then they wouldn't have been witnessed to. See, that's, see that, that, that's unfortunately, we look at it, so what is God going to do for me? What is he going to give me? As opposed to, God, how can I be used for you? How can I witness for you? How can I share with not just my family? That's low-hanging fruit. But people that I, that, that I don't like. Again, I was, I was, I was, I was, I, I'm just being real. I mean, I was, I mean, in Walmart, it's like 10 items or less. I was there this past week. 10 items or less. She pulls out at least 30 items, and she's looking back like, you see the sign? Why, you see the sign? What's it? Okay, Lord, please give me patience. Give me, give me, share the love of Christ. It's just, how you doing? How you doing? It's like, it's, 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 it's the process. It's not me just hurry up and checking out of the line. I got, I got to be on my way, you know, like the, like the Levite and the priest. I'm on my way to go to church. I'm sorry you're sick, but I got, I got an appointment to, to go to. It's the process. So God is not limited by anything, period. He's not limited by anything. So the, again, the inverse corollaries we shared last time uh, to this is if God is, not, if God is not limited by anything, he's not impressed by anything. If he's not limited by anything, he's not impressed by anything. Well, you know, I got this degree, and I can do this, and I, you, don't you know my, you, you don't know who you're messing with. I just, you know, you, you know who I am? And what? That's why, I, and, and I say this with all, with all love and affection, as I've shared uh, uh, personally with the praise team. It's like, when we understand that angels sing better than we could ever hope to sing, then that puts things in perspective. Well, I got a great voice. It's good. <laughs> it's just not angelic. Okay. So, so, so we need to understand that we have been given privilege to do the things that we are privileged to do. Well, you know, they need to recognize that it's like, no, you ain't that. You ain't that. No, no you're, you're not. You're good. You've been gifted. You've been given mad skills to advance the kingdom. But never forget, I ain't all that. I know you ain't all that, Pastor. Well, you aren't either. You're not. You're not. And then that's when we recognize, it's like, why would God use a fool like me to promulgate a perfect message to a dark and dying world? Why would he do that? Because you have reach. But more than anything, is you have willingness. You've put yourself out there to be used. There's a lot of folks that have a lot more talent, time, and, and, and you have, you name it. And you know this, it's like, Boy, if that person ever got it right, and they, boy, they could really do some, some really great things for the kingdom. I don't have kingdom on my mind, so I'm not going to do those things. 
So they have those, gift, those gifts, that giftedness, and it's just like, well, okay. So I'm going to take, as the Bible lets us know, I'm going to take the things that are foolish in the world's eyes and turn them into supernatural things. So why? So you'll know that all the praise goes to him. It's not about you. It's not about you. Well, God, you know, you know, see, see, God, God, he got to jump, you know, he had a head start with some of us because we had a little more skill. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's just, he's using the foolish things, including me. So, so one by one, Samuel sees the seven sons, none of which God says was the one. So Samuel asked the obvious question, uh, this can't be it, right? Jesse answers, there's one. He's watching sheep. It's my paraphrase. Samuel says, send him here. We're not going to have table fellowship until you bring him in. Uh, text is not clear to the degree Jesse knew what was going on, but he had to know that it was important. Like I said, the prophet of God isn't going around consecrating houses uh, and, and people uh, just randomly. So you know that there had to be some degree of, of, of awareness by Jesse in the, in the household. But at the same time, if that were the case, Jesse didn't even see the importance of having David in the presence of Samuel to be part of that selection committee. Now, granted, watching the sheep, you know, we like to think, oh, you're just watching the sheep. What? That's the family treasury right there. That's important work. Being the shepherd is important work. But it's not king work, you see. It's not white-collar work, if you will. And so Jesse didn't say, yeah, I got another son, but you don't want to see him implied. Uh, Samuel says, bring him in here. So what are you, what are, what are you saying? Again, uh, it's a very pregnant and telling statement that even the closest people to you may not see the giftedness God has for you. Yeah. See, so, so people that are really close to you, they, they, they could be your sister, your parents, your, 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 your kids, or whatever. It's like, uh, there's, 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 there's royalty destined for you, whatever that looks like. But th those that are close to you may not even see it. This was his dad, and he, didn't know, he wasn't aware of it. He didn't think much of, of, of calling him in there. He knew David best. But, you know, hey, you go watch the sheep. You've got other brothers. Let them have a bite at the apple. Is there another one? Yes. Okay, well, I don't know why you would want to see him. So uh, Samuel says, we're not going to sit for table fellowship until he comes, which he ultimately does. And then what happens? Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel went home. So today, so today we pick up our study at the 14th verse, uh, and we'll be brief where we read, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play uh, when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So the presence of the Lord, the presence of God, Yahweh, has shifted from Saul to David. And with the absence of covering, any number of things can come. And so with the absence of covering, uh, the, an evil spirit tormented him. The message uh, version of the Bible describes it as a black mood sent by God. And the word uh, translated tormented suggests being gripped with a terrifying fear. Being gripped with a terrifying fear. Saul was gripped 
with a terrifying fear. And this is a difficult verse to read and to unpack if we have a narrow view of God. If we have a very narrow view of God, the, the, the God of the, the cartoon book, if you will, uh, the God of our imagination, well, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. An evil spirit sent from the Lord. Theologians will wrestle over this, this, sesh, this section and say, well, because the Spirit of God did it, did it leave, when in, in his leaving, did that allow an evil spirit to come on him? Or did God just say, evil spirit, boom, go to Saul. Step back from the tree, don't put your nose to the bark, look at the forest. The result is the same. The result is the same. The result is God removed his presence, his spirit, his blessing from Saul and put it to David. And with that came a concomitant evil spirit that came on to Saul. So whether God sent or God allowed, the point is the same. The God who instructed Saul to destroy everything is now sending a spirit, allowing the spirit to come upon Saul. And it's like, okay, I told you things weren't going to go well. If you, if you disobeyed me, I told you what to do. You didn't do it. Now, judgment has come on to you. Saul is in such bad shape that he isn't even the one that identifies his own problem. He doesn't even, he doesn't even, he, he's, he's terrified. He's in a mess. I can just imagine him in a fetal position with his royal robe tucked up to his chin. And his servants are like, he's got to govern. We're in trouble. Uh, uh, Saul's attendant said to him, sir, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Uh, can we go search for someone to play some music and maybe you'll feel better? If you look through the Old Testament, there are, there are points in time, particularly in the Psalms, where there's this, this, this association between music and, and our spiritual personality, if you will, that there's a, there's a connection that I don't think we even understand. And that's why I keep saying with the praise team, it is so incredibly important when you, when you guys praise. It, 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 it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's, it's deeper than we can even comprehend what that is. It's, it's really deep. And so that's why when we don't go deep in our praise and we don't have a full appreciation of our praise, I'm just singing. I'm just going to be on key. You can be on key tonally, but be off key spiritually, and it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. It's not about, and I'm not saying go for bad pitch. I, it's not about perfect pitch. It's not about the, the, the playing the bass on tune. I'm not saying don't play it on tune. I'm not saying don't play, don't, don't hit the drums out of beat. Play it on beat. Give God your best. But, it's, but understand, it's not about that. So there's something going on that we don't understand. Uh, but it's important to have, let's put it this way, it's important to have people around you that are trustworthy and can see God even when you can't. See, who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, as, as they say, you know, if you hang around nine broke people, sooner or later you're going to be the tenth. You know, that's, that's, that's what some people say. So if you hang around nine spiritually bankrupt people, uh, you do the math. It's like, what are, you, what, what are you drawing from? Who are your friends? Who do you hang around? Who, 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 are you, who are you? I'm not talking about who you're witnessing to. You, you can be salt and light and will be salt and light everywhere, but who are you drawing strength from? 
you know, your, your buddies, your homies. There's nothing wrong with that. But where are you drawing your spiritual strength from? That's why I, 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 I go to ad nauseum. Uh, you got to be in small group. You got to be in small. You have to be in small group. You have to be in small group. You need people around you that, that worship like you, that think like you, that want to that wanna see God like you do. Otherwise, it's like, well, you know, I mean, that's stuff like Jim Jones. That's, that's how that stuff gets started. You hang around something that's off, and before you know it, you're off. You're going down the, you're going down the wrong road. So they suggest finding a musician to play kind of a, like a handheld harp. Um, Saul agrees, and he commissions them to find someone. But before the search committee can be formed, Somebody needs to say amen or, or, or something for the search committee. Before the search committee could be even formed, uh, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lair. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to, David, to, to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. I have seen. I have seen. I have seen. David didn't shop his resume. He didn't put it in the Bethlehem Gazette. He didn't say, look at me. All eyes on me. He didn't do any of that. Look at me, look at me, look at me. David's just doing what David was tasked to do. That's all he did. But somebody else saw him. And it's like, look, 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 at, look, at, look at the things that, that he's identified as being. He's able to do the job that needs to be done. He's job ready. He's ready to do the thing that needs to be done, one. Uh, two, he's brave. Three, he's a warrior. Four, he's well-spoken. He's got command of the language. Five, he's good-looking, doesn't hurt. Uh, and six, most importantly, the Lord is with him. What a resume. I, I wish I had a resume like that. Didn't shop it. Didn't, didn't push it. This is this, just doing what he's been tasked to do. And Saul says uh, to his group, essentially, why are you still here? Go get him. Why are you guys standing there? Go get this guy. If, if this guy is everything that you guys say he is, go get him. They go, they commission David, Jesse packs his son an extended lunch, you know, uh, and loads it up, uh, and off they go. In anointing or commissioning, we don't verbally hear anything from David. You don't hear anything from David. You know, it's about time somebody recognized me. Y'all been out here with these sheep? Don't they know who I am? Don't they know, don't, don't, don't you know who I am? David, like, no, my job is to serve. My job is to tend the sheep. But instead we hear silent humility and obedience. Silent humility and obedience. Uh, you know, they, they, you see it all the time. This is, this is week one of the football season, uh, and I'll get tired about week four, uh, you know, and then I'm done uh, for the season. You, you, you sack a quarterback, and you prance around like, uh, I've just, you know, I've just won the lottery. I've sacked a quarterback. Or I got a three-yard gain, and I'm prancing around. Boy, three yards first down. Seriously? 
It's a game. I understand. If we're not careful, we will take a, a, an unhealthy, unholy view of what it means to be in ministry. It's not about us. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. How, as the song goes, however God used me, I'll be satisfied. I don't think we really believe it, but that's, that's how the song goes anyway. Uh, there's no boasting. We don't hear David complaining, you know, they didn't pick me. Why did, why, did, why did my dad have to wait until, you know, I'm the last one to come in? See, from the White House to your house, humility is in, 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 in it's a rarity. That's the one thing, that's the one thing that we, we as people have to fight is, is that, 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 that sin of pride. Humility is hard because when you think you're humble, you're not humble. When you think you're acting humbly, you're not humble anymore. You know, I've been a pretty humble guy. Wrong. Okay, you're, you just messed it up. <laughs> See, and it, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard because we, God has given us knowledge, skills, and abilities. Uh, and so it becomes very difficult for us to, well, you know, the reason why uh, I'm at this level is because I earned it. I went to school. I did this. There's a lot of people that go to school. There's a lot of people that play by the rules. There's a lot of people that don't kick the dog when they come home, and they're not blessed in the way you are blessed. So at some point along the line, we have to recognize maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's about grace. Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's not just who I married. I, just, I, I look at, after, particularly after our team went to Haiti, it's like, what's the difference between them and me? What's the difference? The, the randomness, if you will, the sovereign will of God of being born by parents that happen to live in Bakersfield versus someone who lives in Port-au-Prince or Cape Haitian? Hey, they work hard. I work hard. I've got opportunity. They've got opportunity. They're different, their situation is different from mine. Grace, grace. I'm, 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 I'm closing. So David came to Saul, entered into his service, and Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. When the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So after this little brief probationary period, Saul sends words to Jesse, uh, you're going to have to find someone else to watch your sheep. I got an armor bearer now, and it's your son. I've elevated him. He doesn't have to pack his lunch anymore. I I'll be taking care of his lunch. He's going to be right here. Saul is still sitting on the throne. David has been anointed as king. Isn't that, God's got jokes. I mean, seriously, God's got jokes. God's got serious jokes. He's a, David is on, on the throne. Uh, Saul is on the throne. David has been anointed. And now God has caused things to happen. So David and Saul are in each other's presence. And God has elevated David from the sheep pen to the throne room. Uh, this is exactly, we talk about servant leadership uh, this is exactly what Christ exemplified uh, millennia later. When as the disciples, when Christ is ready to go to the cross, ready to go to the cross, the disciples are arguing, 
Who's going to be the greatest in heaven? Who's, who, who's, who's got the better resume? Who's, 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 who's the one that needs to be in charge? Who's going to sit on the right? Who's going to sit on the left? Jesus just takes off uh, the, 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 the towel from around him, and he stoops down, and he starts to wash feet. I can, I can only imagine that in, that in that very example, there's like, what in the world is going on? So much so that Peter said, you will never wash my feet because of the sin in him. Because implied, if you're washing feet, that means I have to wash feet. I ain't about washing their feet. I might wash Jesus' feet, but I ain't washing Andrew's feet or anybody else's feet. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, our savior, stooped down and it's like, Give me your dirty feet. And everything associated with you, let me wash them. Let me, let me show you what true servant leadership is about. It's about serving. That's why they called uh, the ministers in the New Testament doulos, the, the under rowers, that because you'd be in the belly of the boat. You'd be the slave making the ship go. You'd never, you'd never be seen. You'd think the ship, the ship must go by itself, obviously. No. It was the under rowers. It was the servants that made the ship move forward. But they were never seen. Isn't that interesting that they used that as the word for servant, for minister? What an application for today. Let's bow.